0: Dawns to another episode of Confidently Insecure, the podcast where we are absolutely sure we don't know everything. I am your host, Kelsey Dara, and I'm actually really excited about this episode. It's a subject I've been wanting to do an episode on for, gosh, since we started, but I didn't know how to approach the subject. It was um, a topic that I don't necessarily even know how to identify with slash like, Converse about, even though I'm the woman who literally talks about the most taboo subjects in like her pussy nine times out of 10. So, this is like a very exciting episode for me to even get out of my comfort zone a little bit. I'm so excited for this week's guest. You might know her as Francesca Eats Roses. Francesca works in disordered eating and teaches embodied eating disorder recovery. And you also showcase healing with plant medicine. So, just up top, all the trigger warnings. But, Francesca, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. (laughs)
1: Uh, Thank you so much. Super happy to be here and to share and chat and learn in the space with you.
0: Absolutely. And I have to mention, um, you are in Cape Town, South Africa, and it is 10 p.m. at night. And you are doing (laughs) such an amazing, like, thank you for (laughs) staying up (laughs) so late to chat with us.
1: Yeah. Well, I love these conversations They They light me up. So any time of day I'm here for it.
0: (laughs) I got to say earlier this morning, I was perusing your social media and your website. And I just felt like this essence and wave of like calm confidence come over me. And I was like, you're I hate to say the word vibe because like, God kill me, but like your vibe is just so comforting in a topic that is so veiled in fear and unknown. Um, and I'm just curious, like, what is your relationship to the healing and, uh, the topic around disordered eating?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I I guess, well, it's very much a lived experience. Um, I've been in my own Recovery, which you know, is also a word that I'm like, what does that even mean? Because yeah. <laughs> recovery, it's like you're not re- you're not you're not going back to the same place mm. that you started. It's very much a transformation mm. and an evolution and at add, like additive process. Um, but yeah, it's it's for me these topics are very close to my heart. They are very rich and complex and nuanced, and I love sharing about them and can relate to it because I've had my own experience being in recovery for 13 years and have gone through many different types of treatments and have just kind of found my way through. Mm. Um, And there's, there's so many ways in which to recover and it's also actually quite a creative process Mm. and eating disorders are a process. They are just a way of somebody trying to find their way in life and their place in the world. Mm. And um, that's my approach. That's what I feel and can see in others and try share that. Um, And I like, I like this approach. It's, it feels, yeah, it feels approachable. It's, it's uh, sensitive um, and very human.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What struck me about your page is like, wow. i i get a sense of like very um what what are the words i would even want to use like like mothering feminine divine like i get just like all of these immaculate vibes but there's also so much science based in your approach and like in the healing that you do just about like what the brain is actually going through when someone has developed an eating disorder. And I agree with you. I don't know how I feel about the word recovery either. I'm two years sober and I like sober from alcohol, I have to say, because I do microdose. So people always like to, jerk off about that, but uh, the word recovery sounds like I'm constantly wounded and I'm, I'm constantly like bandaging myself in different places. And so I've never identified with that, that word either, but, um, I was curious, can you tell me a little bit more about that, that brain connection that you kind of talk about with, with how uh, the brain even gets to sort of like, um, disordered eating or eating disorders?
1: Mm. Yeah, big question. And I also just, I also wanted to say that just on the topic of like the words that we choose, like eating disorder and recovery, like they shape the way that we choose our treatments and the way that we perceive somebody's recovery path. And so the, the language that we use can have a real profound impact on how we relate to our own path and, and others who are going through, you know, addiction recovery or whatever the case is um so yeah and I I like to include some of the science behind it because when there is a you know basic understanding um of what's going on um it helps that education really helps people understand and also look out for different patterns and cues and an awareness grows and and also is quite empowering Mm. um and when we're in a process with um, you know, with a client or with a coach or a therapist or whatever, and you you're going through some kind of like let's say somatic practice or um, some kind of process, and maybe we don't understand why we're we doing it, mm. uh, or why are we breathing like this, for example, why are you making me look around the room and orient, and like all of these things. And when we can understand, like there is actually a reason behind it, there's a lot more buy-in and mm. Um, and just more of a, an understanding. Mm. Um, yeah, so you know, eating disorders are are certainly nuanced, and it's it's hard to really say how it all begins because mm. let's just add a good dose of intergenerational trauma. Let's <laughs> add in a very like toxic society of yes. diet culture yes. and yes. media messages. Just a little
0: that, a <laughs> little this. Like, how
1: do we all survive? <laughs> and then and then you know the upbringing that we have um as Mm -hmm. as well as just how we come up how we come out you know genetic makeup there seems to be with with eating disorders this tendency to have quite a narrow approach Mm. uh, a narrow perspective this term is called a weak central coherence Mm. and you can imagine that instead of looking at a whole plate of food or maybe a more like general example, like a a forest, Mm -hmm. you're just focusing on a single tree Mm -hmm. or for people with eating disorders, looking for foods that fit into their category of safety, which generally tends to be like lower fat type food, Mm -hmm. for example, there may be other categories of things that people are looking for. Mm -hmm. And there's this hyper focus and it becomes almost automatic so it's not like the person is consciously making these decisions Mm -hmm. it's just like like sorting this information automatically um and it's just a way of really just a way of viewing the world um Mm -hmm. just their lens it's a lens Mm -hmm. um and what's beautiful about this is that it's a lens and we can change like you're wearing glasses like we can change the glasses and the shapes that we wear and maybe tinted or whatever and that starts with with awareness and that's why the education around these things are important Mm -hmm. so that's one thing that can happen there also seems to be um, like this interesting switch around with uh the reward system Mm -hmm. in that someone is rewarded for uh not doing something Mm -hmm. so often we are we feel the sense of reward Mm -hmm. when when we eat right? We get hungry, we go eat, we get this release of dopamine, we feel good, our needs are satisfied. But for people with eating disorders, specifically with anorexia, which is severe restriction of food, Mm. that the person actually feels good and is rewarded, like from a chemical standpoint, it's not even like a thinking process or an emotional thing. It's like the brain is rewarding the person for restricting and actually not going Mm. for the food. Wow. And so, yeah. So it's not like there's anything wrong with what's going on. It's like just a change, a flip in the switch, really. Mm. Um, and again, when we bring awareness to that, and um, start tracking, you know, the whole the whole roadmap of eating, because it's it's not just like eating food. It's recognizing that I'm hungry, deciding what I want to eat, mm-hmm. plating my food eating my food, allowing all the food to come in, in, enjoying the food, finishing the meal, realizing I'm no longer hungry, resting and starting again. Like there's a whole process that goes on and gets rewarded at different stages. And Mm. and for for some people, there's a lot of anxiety around that based on Mm. just their makeup. And um, the brain is also able to change. Mm -hmm. It's flexible throughout our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's also a relief.
0: Yeah. (laughs) The best news I've heard about my life in general, just with (laughs) anxiety or chronic pain, like that, you know, that that's, it's such a good, it's such a good thing to, to remind people too, that what I've noticed at least in like American society is that I've seen it develop very young. And the brain is so impressionable at a young age. And as you know, it lends all the way into young adulthood, when our brains are who like, you know, we think we are solidly now we've grown up to be this person that we can still change. Like there is no too late for the process or too late Hmm. for our uh, neural pathways to actually reverse or um, create new ones rather, I should say.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. huge relief.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I liked what you said too about um, the patterns that we develop. And if you could maybe talk a little bit more of like some, what does that look like um, in someone that might have uh, eating disorder or disordered eating?
1: Mm. Well, I think it's also nice to kind of distinguish between eating disorders and disordered eating. Please. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we can look at, um, you know, the, there are certain types of behaviors that people with eating disorders engage in more than people who have disordered eating, mm-hmm. which would be usually around, there would be an obsession around the behaviors, a lot more ritualistic that takes away from the functionality or being able to function in everyday life. Mm. So I would choose to not see my friends or go out um, because I have to fit in my exercise, a certain amount of exercise and eat at a very specific time Mm. um, and eat specific things. So with any addiction um, and with eating disorders, things become quite ritualistic and the whole one's life becomes revolved around different rituals and we almost become a slave to these rituals Mm -hmm. they have to be fulfilled Mm -hmm. um and there can be many different types of behaviors that people can engage in um i'm i i'm not going to go into the specifics but there'll be some kind of restriction maybe some over exercise there'll be maybe for some people binging or purging um or overeating or eating very specific foods that's called orthorexia an obsession mm. of healthy foods or oh. what one perceives as healthy right um because let's also just say what is healthy and right also with overeating what is what is overeating what is right. too much yeah. right um, so there, there are lots of different ways in mm. which um, people use food and their bodies to feel safe and right. really what it is it's 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 a way to keep, the nervous system is trying to balance Mm -hmm. and find safety. And Mm -hmm. these are just strategies and behaviors and and adaptations Mm -hmm. to feel that sense of safety and to feel just a little bit regulated. So people aren't just like skyrocketing into Mm -hmm. like, you know, huge fight or flight or like complete shutdown. Like an eating disorder keeps somebody like just within that faux window, like just within like mm. that middle space mm, mm-hmm. that makes it, sense yeah totally it, it kind of
0: answers my next question but maybe you can like talk a little <laughs> bit more about it break it down for me is mm. eating disorder or are eating disorders just about weight <laughs> i think i know the answer is no but explain <laughs> explain please
1: <laughs> yeah well you know it's 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 it is a it's a really good question, and it can seem that it is all about the weight and about food, and mm-hmm. looks. Um, but underneath that is is usually a lot of pain, um, for a lot of people, some kind of some kind of trauma, mm-hmm. uh, some kind of trauma in the attachment system, um, mm. and for some people there may be even like some sensory processing issues, whereby like let's say being in a restaurant where there's a lot of light, like some people are really, really sensitive to light and some people are really sensitive to certain types of textures Mm -hmm. um, and uh, certain types of smells. And these things can lead to eating disorders, which is also really interesting and not often spoken about. Um, So yeah, trauma is is definitely there for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, And that can that can really be anything. Yeah. For for most people it's just there was nobody there to hold my hand after a really big incident mm. and uh, this open wound is kind of left there open mm. and no one's attending to it mm. and then this like scar tissue forms over it and it mm. becomes really sensitive and inflexible um, and starts to inform the present moment mm. so that that experience is now informing the present moment. And the eating disorder is just a way to try and um, make sense of that pain, um, mm. as well as also uh, communicate with the outside world that there's dysregulation happening, that there's something out of balance. Mm. And so we like people on the outside and the and the person experiencing this can see these behaviors that, that something is that is wrong and needs to be attended to. Mm um and yeah I think does that answer
0: yes question hell yes a resounding hell yes like I I think that's so important to note just because in media I think we see a lot of what treatment is supposed to look like. And it looks like going away to a center where everything is so monitored and structured and almost like forced in a way. And that, um, and maybe that is for some people what they need, but I feel like, uh, there's a lot bigger of an emotional and, um, biopsychosocial element to it. That doesn't, really get addressed, um, in these kind of, you know, 30, 60 day programs? I mean, what do you think?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really awesome question. And I mean, I, myself, I went to a clinic, Mm -hmm. um, and so I've done that like six week inpatient outpatient program. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, it was, it was certainly helpful, um, in a way I was at a point where um, I'd like just come out of school and didn't really know what kind of options were out there and didn't feel like I had a voice or know where to look really. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a powerful moment in my healing. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately there are many ways yeah. to heal and going to a clinic is not, the way, right? Um, and is often it's often expensive, and often mm-hmm. don't really train because ultimately recovery is like you you're changing states, and if we're going for a marathon, we're not just going to show up at a, at a marathon and start running. We're training. Right. Right. <laughs> we're training before, and mm-hmm. so it's the same kind of thing with with any kind of addiction recovery. The mm-hmm. pre training is so important to start practicing little state shifts of sobriety Mm. and like using that term like quite like broadly because it can be applied within the eating disorder space you know like I'm going to choose not to purge after this meal I'm going to choose not to go for a run at this time or I'm Mm. going to choose to eat a challenging food for just this one meal and start to like just track what that could be like Mm. start taking little risks here and there Mm. Um, and that's important uh, so that there's almost like a natural um, maturing out of the behaviors mm. and start and and new behaviors have already been put in motion and one has already practiced them in little ways or big ways mm. and then also with with clinics is that there isn't really much integration and again you've run a marathon you know you stretch afterwards yeah. and you drink lots of water and you like do all of these things um, and so integration and ongoing support is important because maybe the circumstances around the person haven't necessarily changed. Like maybe the family dynamic is mm. maybe still a little bit triggering or, you know, the society that we're in with all the diet stuff is like yeah. still ongoing. Right. Like, <laughs> is there an end? And right. so the support to like maintain that new state of recovery is really important. So integration and ongoing support is needed. And so that, that pre and post is not really included in, in clinics, um, right. but can be very helpful. And, you know, it helped me, got yeah. me on, got
0: me on a path. It got me stepping. You guys, I don't even have, I feel like you could just do this ad read with me at this point. I don't even have to like look at my notes. I don't have to pull up the copy. I, it, it, this brand and company is just so close to my heart. Uh, I wish I could like tattoo, maybe I will tattoo them across my Body at some point. Anyways, you know, I am talking about BetterHelp. If anything is interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist it's safe private online environment so convenient that you can start communicating with a therapist in under 24 hours with my personal experience I just switched therapists and I was manifesting a young witchy boss bitch and I was like there's no way this exists in a therapeutic community well guess what it does. It did. I found her on BetterHelp. I'm obsessed with her. I am so excited to talk to her this week. We just got back from our European vacation, and I have so much to catch her up on. And I, I could have done sessions with her while I was in Europe. That's how easy it is to schedule. I do video sessions. Um, I message her all the time, and she gets back to me within 24 hours. We can talk about anything. They have therapists who specialize in depression, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflict. Confluence? Hmm. LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem. There are so many people that have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you're going to get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com CI. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash CI. Right, yeah, and I think it's like, I mean, you bring up so many good points. Everything you're saying, I'm like, oh, I got a question about that. Oh, I got a question about that. <laughs> um, when you, you know, to, to talk about diet culture and eating disorders too, and, and maybe even someone who hasn't fully, like, I think for me, I, I don't identify as someone with an eating disorder. I definitely have disordered eating thoughts. And I sought um, a nutritionist specialist at some point a few years ago and was doing mindful eating journals and things. And I- realized that there was a pattern that I saw and it actually started with my mom and watching her do these like fad diets where it was like, you, pl- you pick one day and everything's gonna change and you're gonna start this new life and you're gonna lose all this weight and you're gonna feel better. and And then when you don't, because who just fucking runs a marathon without any practice, <laughs> you crash or you binge or you purge and you you think there's something wrong with you because you're like, why can't I do this thing that all these other people seem to be doing? And so I think to your point of the practice and the small shifts is so crucial to highlight and just letting people know that it's not really like meant to be done in one like on and off switch moment. <laughs>
1: Right, yeah, I mean, like recovery as a whole is definitely not one single effort mm. or one session at a clinic or one coaching session. Right. It's, it's complex and the layers are, you know, unlayering um, mm. at the time that they are meant to. Mm. And as soon as you kind of take off one layer, something else pops up. That's just the nature of how it goes, you know, as we get closer and closer to that core space. Mm. Um, And yeah, I mean, diet culture is is very insidious and Mm. we're very much swimming in it and it's hard to see. Mm. Um, And it it takes, it takes like it takes a lot (laughs) to to see it and then to step and then to step out Mm. of it. Um, and I think it's, it's, I think a good place to start is just investigating your one's own internalized fat phobia Mm -hmm. and judgments around weight in, you know, as you're just walking down the street, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what associations do you have? What judgments, what Mm -hmm. envies, what uh, desires, what fears do you have when you see different body types? And that is coming out in all shapes and forms. in when people go to doctors, in schools, um, in media as a whole, there's a lot of that going on. Um, and so that's a really good place to start, yeah. just becoming aware. And then just to be compassionate with, with yourself through that process. And it's, it's okay. if There are a lot of judgments that you start to notice. Um, but that's, that's the way. That's how we right. start bringing awareness.
0: Yeah. I, I recall living in a time, you know, I'm 31. I recall living in a time where there wasn't like this body positive body confidant, sober girlies. Are you looking to cut back or cut takeareecess dot com slash Kelsey each can is lightly sparkling mocktail infused with functional ingredients like so many stress-balancing adaptogens made with real fruit and only 25 calories or less. It's a guilt-free way to unwind. Whether you're relaxing after work or hanging out with friends, make recess mocktails your drink between drinks or, like me, your forever mocktail. I am so obsessed with the ginger lime mule and also the grapefruit paloma for spring. It's my favorite go-to weekend drink. Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash Kelsey. So you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Now I know what you're thinking, Kelsey, when did you become obsessed with bandanas, you name it, and they'll get you outfitted. If you can't make it to one of their stores, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west positivity movement. There wasn't, you know, fat was a bad word and being fat was a, it was a state of mind and a physical, you know, it, it was, it was so toxic to even have conversation about um, looks and other people's bodies. I mean, I still think the conversation skews a little bit too much of like commentary on other people's body, but just even the fact that I have a choice now to go Who am I going to allow to be on my screens? You know, who am I going to follow on Instagram? Who am I going to follow on Twitter? What kind of media am I going to try to have some control over in a world that's constantly Mm -hmm. pushing other bodies on me? And I wonder, you know, starting with the internalized fat phobia, like brilliant, like chef's kiss moment, what can we do? After that, like, where where does the self love part um, factor in? And I assume it, it it's always factored in, but maybe do you have some advice for for people who are on this kind of discovery journey of of like, wow, I, I really don't know even how to start loving these pieces of myself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great question. And the first thing that comes to me is just to find moments of accepting the very basic um, functions that your body does each day. It sounds very dry, maybe, but it's (laughs) not at all. (laughs) And, you know, for a lot of people in like the, the body, like the eating disorder space, disordered eating. It can be a lot of fear of the body, a lot of body phobia. Mm. And it can be a bit easier to approach from it, like an anatomical perspective mm. like, oh, my lungs are breathing and I can feel <laughs> my breath and, <laughs> yeah. and my heart, like almost like speaking to organs and mm. um, like the anatomy of the body and appreciating it from that perspective. Mm. Um, and just seeing how much your body can do during the day. Um, So that would be quite a direct way of working with the body. Um, Another good place to start would also um, to start naming sensations that come up in the body. Maybe this doesn't seem like a way to, to love the body, but it's a way of coming back into the body the more that we can be aware of the sensations that are happening in the moment and also seeing how they change throughout the day, mm-hmm. all the time, everything is changing. Um, that also means recovery is possible if everything is always changing and moving. Mm. Um, but it's, it's a way of, of touching in with what the body is communicating and that develops trust. And when there's trust, there's greater capacity for acceptance and love to grow. We all need trust. That's the foundation. Mm. So what are ways to, to trust the body and for the the body to trust you? Um, yeah,
0: that's, that's big. I'm like, Oh my God, you're going to make me emotional over here. (laughs) Um, I want to get a little bit selfish and I want to talk about some of the issues that I i don't even like to call them issues. Some of the sensations and physical things I notice that I do <laughs> around my relationship to food. And I've talked a lot about it on the podcast and I've had so many people write in to, to talk more about um, sugar addiction. And I've always had a sweet tooth. I always loved dessert. I loved having pancakes for breakfast. I loved, you know, a sugary drink as a treat. Um, and then I, my body started just getting very sick and I developed chronic yeast infections and I tried everything except for cutting out sugar to cure myself. And it became, it got so bad that like I could have a piece of cake and the next day get a yeast infection. And whether at that point it was psychosomatic or actually happening, it didn't matter because I, developed this terrible relationship to myself to say, well, if you want to feel good, why do you punish yourself this way? And I, and I couldn't get over the hill of it being this addiction to sugar. And that I learned 90% of 98% of people who quit drinking cold Turkey, which is what I did um, become hypoglycemic and and become addicted to sugar, and I mm-hmm. so when I even got sober, it got even worse, and it's something I'm right in the throes of still uh, working with my therapist on of just you know that that you know mindful eating, embodied eating, and the most importantly the the relationship I have internally that monologue mm-hmm. that dialogue that I'm so. Fucking cruel to myself. Is is there any advice or tips or tricks you can give us that that do struggle with something kind of like similar to that, whether it be sugar or other substance, mm. <laughs> or mm. foods, rather,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, the way that you're describing it and your process and how you're relating to this process certainly sounds. You sound very aware um, and. Yeah, You know, these these things are, these things take time. Mm -hmm. These things are, um, you know, like it is is a marathon um, and it's the onion layers that happen, that are just happening. Mm -hmm. And recovery is, you know, there's like kind of early recovery. That's Mm -hmm. like, say, two or three years Mm -hmm. and then you have long-term recovery that's beyond that. Um, and again, those aren't, those aren't like specifics, mm. um, but just to paint a picture of the length of time that it takes for the body to stabilize again and rebalance itself. And it really sounds like you're doing some, some really good work. Um,
0: I'm <laughs> hoping, you know, I, I feel yeah. I fear the the backslide or the regression or the um, re- the relapse, if you will, to put it in sober talk.
1: <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, what's that fear about? And that's what I say. What is the fear? Like, what? So what? <laughs>
0: you know, it's not. It doesn't drag me all the way down. I just i i take it for what it is, and I wake up another day. But it it's the the anticipatory <laughs> fear, maybe.
1: Hmm. And also like relapses, you know, whatever you want to, however you want to relate to the word relapse mm. um, is is bound to happen mm. in the recovery process. I mean, otherwise it wasn't some kind of addiction or eating disorder mm. or whatever. Like these things do happen. And I think that's really helpful for people because it's like either you're addicted or you're sober. Mm. Yeah. You
0: know,
1: mm. Or you're in an eating disorder or you're eating healthy and Mm. it's not like that at all Mm. there are different types of setbacks and challenges and relapses and hardships Mm. that happen in various degrees and in various ways and um, those are opportunities Mm. for growth and upgrading and up leveling Mm. Um, and so what you're going through right now is just one of those things Mm. going through one of those upgrades and it's (laughs) maybe, maybe a little bit sticky (laughs) yeah. <laughs> but it's not going to last forever. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It makes yeah. me sound like a fancy Apple product. Like I'm just, I'm in my upgrade <laughs> moment. And there's sometimes there's some bugs and some fixes, but like we're constantly growing and evolving and absorbing more data and knowledge to become the next <laughs> iPhone 14 or whatever the number we're on at this point. Um, I, I thank you, A, for that, let it, letting me indulge a little bit in the the selfish um, patterns. Um I want to ask a little bit about your um, journey and healing and teachings with microdosing and eating disorder. Um, we've mm-hmm. done a couple episodes um, about it. And what I've learned is that it is such a nuanced topic, microdosing. You know, you have people that fully, it has completely transformed their lives. And then you have people who are fearful of what companies will do with microdosing you know how are we pushing a product to people um without any regulation without any like deep knowledge of what this powerful plant or fungi rather can do um yeah so just take me through the take me through the whole thing the whole shebang of of what (laughs) what you you do there there.
1: Yeah, so my journey with plant medicines began probably in 2016, um, and that was sitting with ayahuasca, and then uh, a year later with with mushrooms, and these were yeah, my first time in kind of ceremonial spaces mm-hmm. in this way, and uh, I came across microdosing after that mushroom journey. Um, I just had such a it was a, It was a really good opening. Um, and I just realized that for some slow and steady, sustainable recovery, microdosing could be uh, a useful thing to explore instead of because um, yeah, those ceremonies can take a lot out of you. They're, they're massive <laughs> and require also a lot of a lot of integration. So the, the microdosing made sense to me. Especially because with eating disorders, like you're eating three or more times a day, mm-hmm. uh, or you just you're eating throughout the day, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and
1: <laughs> I'm like at all I mean,
0: hours for
1: some of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, they're like uh, so you're constantly engaging in in your recovery in this way and, and quite like uh, um, confronting ways in, in some in some instances for people like having to face food so many times in a day mm. um, and so the microdosing felt like you know a way to to slow and steady continue this this, this path of healing mm-hmm. um, which I began in like 2013 um, but really what the practice of microdosing has shown me is ultimately the practice of presence mm. um, in just sitting down and just for a few for a few minutes or however long, just being quiet, stating some prayers mm-hmm. uh, or intentions, speaking to the mushrooms themselves mm-hmm. and the earth, and really asking how I can be of service. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going into some kind of you know practice, whether it's yoga and some breath work and or meditation or whatever, and really going into my body. Um, has been has been a really beautiful practice yeah. um, and so much of the eating disorder was very much a, like a narrow focus um, and and focused on, on me like me mm. in, in not the most healthiest ways either mm. Mm. and um, by asking how I can be of service or you know represent, the medicine or this earth it's like widening my my lens and my perspective and connecting me with something greater Mm. and that's often what a lot of people are lacking in uh, in their addictions this lack of connection disconnection maybe some meaninglessness or lack of purpose and so you know it's it's less about like the, the the medicine is a powerful symbol and ultimately it's, it's a, it's an internal process, um, mm-hmm. to the true self mm-hmm. and, um, the medicines are certainly allies in that they all want us to, to thrive and be our fullest selves and serving in a capacity of, um, of integrity and reciprocity and, mm-hmm. um, really, um, Mm. I just like lost my train of
0: thought. I was, I was like trans. I was also like, trance listening to you. I was like, mm, mm-hmm. maybe it was a microdose day for me yesterday, <laughs> but I-, I agree. Like I'm finding it to be, um, I'm trying to be careful with the way I talk about microdosing too, because there's yeah. so, at least in the U S little study about, Mm. really like, I know some people take it and it it causes them this like hyper focus in like a clean way, not in like a kind of cracked out Adderall way. It's very um, intentional focus. And that sometimes if you don't, if there's no, if there's not like in a direction or an intention set, that focus can not necessarily serve us in a positive way. So like, if you are focusing on say, pain or um an unpleasant feeling or you know um th- there can be like a a fear around it a little bit. I think it, it's like how you're going into it and how you're setting yourself up for success with it. And so I'm always cautious because I'm fearful of like convincing someone to try it. You know, we have so many listeners that I'm just, I'm afraid it's feel, it's such a personal journey, you know? <laughs> I'm
1: like, yeah. I don't know, don't blame me. <laughs> and, like, and like, as I'm like watching you, like your body's like. Rah, like
0: Rah. <laughs> I'm like unwinding. My legs
1: are like across the table at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's like, you're right. It's, it's, it's a touchy subject and um, it's, it's not legal and, You know, it's also maybe not what everybody needs. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, like, people won't know until they've tried, or they just know straight up. Yeah. Um, Or it is their medicine, and then years later, it's not. And then having the humility to be like, okay, that chapter is done. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the same with any teacher. Like, maybe you go to the same yoga teacher for like five years and you love them. Mm-hmm. and they've given you so much and then there's some kind of like natural like yeah. trans, uh, natural like movement away and mm-hmm. it's the same these are teachers they're mm-hmm. they're teachers in a different form mm-hmm. um and so to really see them you know as teachers how would you you know how would you treat and show up to your teacher and when do you know when it's time to mm-hmm. to move on like you know leaving your psychologist or something like that Right. It's very much the same kind of relationship. It is a relationship. It's dynamic. It's co yeah. creative and um, certainly not one-sided. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I love that analogy of like, it could be there for a piece of your life and, or a time in your life, the same way that I've, you know, taken certain medications that helped me through certain times in my life. But, you know, going to your Instagram this morning, it was the first time I had seen it associated with eating disorders. And I was like, of course, this motherfucking thing. Of course, this motherfucking fungi. Like, what doesn't it? You know, it, 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 it does what a lot of medications or what a lot of um, pharmaceuticals just can't pass that uh, blood-brain barrier, or you know, whatever. But um, I noticed you had talked about some studies that are being done actually with microdosing and eating disorders. Can you talk a little bit to that and and what they're finding?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's not microdosing specifically. It's it's um more macro dose. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, I mean what's interesting about psychedelics is that they are uh, the term is transdiagnostic. So they can it's not even so much about what the issue is, it's like let's go to the root cause. Like that's all they really care about. Like Mm -hmm. screw the labels, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, screw the diagnosis, Mm -hmm. like what's actually at the core at the root. Mm -hmm. um and however it's manifesting however that pain is being manifested Mm -hmm. whether it's some kind of addiction eating disorder depression or whatever Mm -hmm. like that's just that's just the way that's the shape of the story um let's go to let's go to the root um and what's also interesting about mushrooms and again this can be this can be challenging for people with eating disorders is that it really does bring somebody so deeply into their bodies it's not Mm. numbing out um or suppressing the the feelings or the sensations it's like let's go straight into what's being Mm. felt and that's why microdosing can be quite can be challenging or overwhelming for people Mm. Mm -hmm. with eating disorders when there's such a fear of the body Mm. so it's useful again to have that pre-training um Mm you know, without, without these allies, Mm -hmm. um, and start to feel into these sensations and build tolerance and capacity, um, to be in the body, um, in terms of like the studies, I know that, um, the results aren't yet out for people, Mm -hmm. um, I know that there was like more of a a qualitative study with a small group of people who were drinking ayahuasca Mm. and um, Mm. was very positive. Mm -hmm. Um, I would be curious to see what kind of the long-term results look like Mm -hmm. because of the complexity of eating disorders. I don't know if you know, but they have, eating disorders have one of the highest death rates of any mental Condition. didn't know that yeah because there's often like obviously the physical the physical conditions that can come up from say starvation um right. and then often depression and and suicide mm. and um it, it just like overall like full complete recovery is very low very low um, but it is possible mm. it is possible um, so I'd be curious to see with these studies right. 10 years down the line, five years down the line, um, but there is being work done. Mm-hmm. And I would suggest if anybody's interested in looking up um, Dr. Adele LaFrance um, and Dr. Meg Spriggs, Spriggs um, adults in the, in the U S and Meg is in the UK and um, doing some really awesome work.
0: Uh, no. You so naturally segued into, you know, uh, this, this promotion about where can people find more information? Um, just because I, I really do think I have never seen this pathway to it, even just the, the, the way in which like your healing strategies spanned, for me, it touches on my anxiety. It touches on my chronic pain. It touches on, you know, the, the body in a way that I can relate to beyond, you know, disordered eating. Um, I I really want the listeners to check it out. So where can people find you and and what can you provide for people?
1: (laughs) Oh, I can provide a lot of love. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. um no but you I mean yes <laughs> and, and <laughs> comma <laughs> um my website is francescaeatsroses.com and it's the same for Instagram um, and Facebook but Instagram's great um you can also email me um, through my website at francescaeatsroses and um that's
0: as simple as that yes and and can (laughs) people um is it
1: coach with you heal with you or what's the proper terminology yeah yeah people can adventure with me and explore (laughs) (laughs) process yeah sure i I do um one-on-ones and groups and online and in person and um yeah open to that and i just
0: gotta ask where does the francesca eats roses come from
1: ah so, uh, okay, this is going to go down a whole nother rabbit hole, but <laughs> okay, to, 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 to start off just very quickly, my, my middle name is Rose, um, so Francesca Rose, and I actually started my Instagram account to document food when I was, like, really obsessed with food
0: because oh, I wasn't eating. <laughs> wow.
1: The twists. <laughs> so the twists. So if you, like, scroll down far enough, you know, you'll see, um, you know, my journey of when I went vegan and kind of got into like some like fad diets through veganism and you know I've thought about deleting it but it's it's no it's your truth yeah where I was yeah wow
0: that's that's fantastic I appreciate the honesty I think it it makes you more human and it makes me trust people more when they're able to say like hey this is this is part of the the process like exactly what you said it's not something even 1 to 2 years is you know almost like the abnormality to be able to process through that so quickly. Um, well, Francesca, thank you for making such a safe and, and, um, amazing, beautiful conversation about such a topic that I was like, I don't know how I'm going to handle this, but it was, (laughs) it was so informative. I highly suggest all of our confidants to go check out Francesca eats roses and thank you so, so much for doing this.
1: Thank you, Kelsey. This was so much fun and such oh, an honor. I hope you such can like go off to sleep now. I know I've kept you up now till eleven PM. <laughs> I'm hyped. I don't know if I'm gonna sleep now. <laughs> oh, like, no, I've I've got your, on again. your creative
0: brain thinking. Oh well, um amazing. <laughs> and if you're ever in the States, please let me know. I my dream is to go to just Africa in general, but also South Africa eventually. So, um yes. I'll have to hit you up. But um yes. okay thanks so much for tuning in don't forget you can rate this podcast five stars on itunes if you're not going to rate it five stars please don't rate it at all because i'm very sensitive speaking of sensitive the merch is out now we're getting into sweater season francesca i gotta i gotta send you a sweater um and uh you can check that out on all the links below as well as francesca's links will be all below in the description and we will see you next week Bye bye